From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. The, the hardware over the last uh, few years has seemed to outstrip the capabilities of the software, right? So, you know, we've just seen um, at Form Next 2020 this week that SLM are bringing out a machine with 12 lasers in it, right? And a 600 by 600 by 600 build volume. Additive Industries are, are you know, are talking about a, a concept where they're going to build a, a Metal Fab 600, again, a 600 by 600 by one meter multi-laser machine. We've got Velo doing similar. People are going bigger and bigger and they're fitting out their machines with either more lasers if you're in that metals world or they're fitting their machines out with more you know, uh, uh, heads if you're in that sort of inkjet 3D print world. And with that increase in size, with that desire and move to, uh, desire to move into mass production, what you're seeing is your build preparation um, and data complexity uh, ballooning uh, uh, you know, the data requirements are ballooning. The time it takes to slice files across these much bigger volumes is exponentially rising. The ability to uh, generate ever more complex proprietary tool paths, getting more and more complex, taking more and more time. And we've got, as I said, very, very performant, capable hardware, but the software that traditionally has generated those build files and has generated those tool paths, or even you know, is used to simulate um, the, the, the build process, you know, that's getting slower and slower and slower because really those uh, products that are on the market today that people tend to use have been built on legacy architectures. That was Steven Anderson. Steven is the Vice President of Business Development at the Dendrite Corporation. Dendrite has built the world's first GPU-powered hybrid AM kernel capable of reading native CAD. Previous to his role at Dendrite, Stephen was the Additive Manufacturing Business Development Manager at Renishaw, leading the 3D printing metal business for the company in the U.S. He joins the show today to talk about the evolution of software in the 3D printing space and the growing need to have evolved solutions keep pace with the increasing printing speed, capacity, and throughput of 3D printing machinery. Hello, Stephen. Um, I met you when you were at Renishaw, but for those of, in our audience who may not be familiar with some of the work you've done and kind of the current work that you're doing, do you want to just get a, give us a brief intro on kind of where you got your start in additive manufacturing? For sure. Hi, Mike, and uh, thanks ever so much for, for having me on uh, your, your show. Yeah, for, for those people who don't know me, my name's uh, Stephen Anderson, um, and I'm now the VP of Business Development at Dendrite Corporation. Uh, but I met you um, uh, before that um, when I was uh, the head of um, business development for Renishaw, uh, out working out in Chicago from uh, 2017 to 2020, where I was leading the uh, AM effort there with respect to uh, their powder bed fusion machines. Um, I was at Renishaw for quite a long time. I was, uh, I've been in engineering for about 20 years. Uh, at Renishaw in a variety of roles, both technical and commercial. Um, you know, I'm a chartered engineer uh, and uh, 
for a number of years, I was the uh, head of group software at uh, Renishaw. Uh, and I led a team of about 250-odd software engineers, uh, both in India uh, and the United Kingdom. Uh, and we were responsible for building software uh, across uh, Renishaw's product range, ranging from CMM software, machine tool probing software, encoder product software, uh, and also into the healthcare sector and uh, more recently additive manufacturing, which is where I really got to know uh, powder bed fusion uh, technology quite well, uh, but also uh, the whole process of, of you know, print uh, from uh, you know, the, the, the digital workflow from, from CAD to print. Uh, and I was part of a, and led the project teams that, first of all, re-engineered and rewrote machine control software for the powdered bed fusion machines of Renishaw, but then also got into uh, writing build preparation software, uh, a product called Quantum. And then from that, uh, other software, which was you know, factory management of uh, their uh, AM powder bed fusion machines, a product called Infinium Central. Uh, and then more recently, uh, they built, um, or we built, sorry, a software product called Infinium Spectral, which was for visualization and analysis of photodiode data, uh, in situ process monitoring data, collecting build data off the machine as a, as a print was occurring. So I learned quite a lot about um, additive manufacturing and particularly on the metal side, as I say, over a number of years. And then from 2017, moved into a commercial role, moved over to Chicago and drove the AM business uh, for Renishaw there. Um, that's when we met, first of all. Yes, that's right. And now you've kind of transitioned to a new role. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about, about there? And then we'll yeah, kind of so dig I'm into that. Yeah, use that dread word COVID, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd actually met the folks at Renishaw previous um, at, uh, I think I first met them uh, at one of the AMOG shows back in 2018, even somewhere as far back as that. And I've got to know the CEO and founder there, a, a chap called Harshal Gold, really quite well. And we'd sat on a couple of occasions, him, Sean Hopwood, the uh, uh, CMO, uh, and myself. And we talked about uh, the Dendrite vision for um, software. Uh, in additive manufacturing, and as a software guy, I sort of I, I sort of got it um, without being too big-headed. I saw what they were trying to do, and I thought it was really interesting. But you know, in all honesty, I was quite comfortable at Renishaw. I thought you know um, uh, that I would be with Renishaw for for a few more years. Uh, but uh, my secondment came to an end um, in 2020, uh, and of course, I was returning back to the UK in the middle of, uh, uh, of COVID, which was a very, very interesting time to come back to the UK from the States, you know, uh, flying on, a, on one of the last planes out of Chicago kind of thing with face masks on and not having a house to come back to and not having a car and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and ultimately, you know, not, not being able to continue my career at Renishaw. And, uh, and so I found myself, you know, talking to a bunch of folks about various opportunities uh, and indeed, you know, uh, you know, started up the conversation again with with Harshal about, you know, whether there were opportunities to work with Dendrite, uh, and you know, thankfully there were, uh, and you know, um, in fairly short order, really. But I think it was all done and dusted within a, a few weeks, which is testament to, you know, the speed at which Dendrite work. Um, you know, I'd uh, transitioned that from Renishaw to Dendrite 
I think I'd left Renishaw on a Thursday kind of thing and started with uh, Dendrite the following Monday. Um, and, uh, you know, started with them in uh, June. Uh, so I'm coming up, uh, you know, the end of this year will be sort of the six months in at Dendrite. And it's just been a fantastic ride and a wild ride. And I'm loving every minute of it. And so taking a step back, as you've seen kind of the evolution of software within the 3D printing space, what are some of the big takeaways of where the, in your opinion, kind of where the technology is from a software perspective, as we, you think about most of the, the users you may have interacted at, at Renishaw or as in kind of this new role, people that you talk to, what, do you, what are you seeing on, on the ground as, as kind of the status quo? So I guess there's sort of two stories that, I, that, that I'd like to talk about there, right? That, and the first one, um, I think, is the, again, the, the sort of experience I learned you know, previously. So um, as I said at, you know, at the start of the interview, we stood up um, a project to write uh, build preparation software uh, for the Renishaw machines. And we decided to do that uh, uh, internally at Renishaw partly because of the sort of culture of the company. Uh, Renishaw is a company that invests a lot of money into research and development. Indeed, its strap line is apply innovation. Um, and you know, we were inventing new techniques, new hardware techniques, new algorithms in the powder bed fusion machines that we wanted to uh, exploit and support in software. And we didn't really want to do that by having to communicate that IP, that know-how, that expertise to a third party. So, of course, you know the, the the logical consequence, and we were in a fortunate position to have a reasonable size software group that I ran at Renishaw. We were in a position to stand up our own project team and to build out our own software uh, tool. Um, you know, but the experience of that is, while you can build that software, even at a company the, the size of Renishaw. You know, it, it, it wasn't really, the, or it shouldn't really be the core focus of a machine builder to build the software, right? It's not that what their, uh, their, their key um, skill set is, uh, if you like. And of course, it, it's an expensive thing to have to do. And so you find over time that you've actually got more and more software resource dedicated you know, to looking after a piece of um, internal uh, or, or even saleable software um, which isn't really uh, where you want to be. Uh, and, you know, there was part of me that was thinking, well, there's got to be a better way of doing this, right? Uh, and then uh, on top of that, the second sort of story that I tell is that you, you, you're within the world of um, additive manufacturing. Metal additive manufacturing is where, is where my you know, uh, history has been. But I think this is also true across all uh, additive manufacturing uh, uh, from sort of professional machines and up, uh, as it were, is that really the the hardware over the last uh, few years has seemed to outstrip the capabilities of the software, right? So, you know, we've just seen um, at Form Next 2020 this week that SLM are bringing out a machine with 12 lasers in it, right, and a 600 by 600 by 600 build volume. Additive Industries are... are you're uh, talking about uh, a concept where they're going to build a, a metal fab 600, again, a 600 by 600 by one meter multi-laser machine. We've got Velo doing similar. People are going bigger and bigger 
and they're fitting out their machines with either more lasers if you're in that metals world or they're fitting their machines out with more you know, uh, uh, heads if you're in that sort of inkjet 3D print world. And with that increase in size, with that desire and move to uh, desire to move into mass production, what you're seeing is your build preparation um, and data complexity uh, ballooning. Uh, uh, you know, the data requirements are ballooning. The time it takes to slice files across these much bigger volumes is exponentially rising. The ability to uh, generate ever more complex proprietary tool paths, getting more and more complex, taking more and more time. And we've got, as I say, very, very performant, capable hardware, but the software that traditionally has generated those build files and has generated those tool paths, or is even you know, is used to simulate um, the, the, the build process, you know, that's getting slower and slower and slower because really those uh, products that are on the market today that people tend to use have been built on legacy architectures, you know, uh, which are 30 years old. And, and really we need a whole new way of thinking. Um, and that new of way, way of thinking is, 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 I'm pleased to say, suggest, is the dendrite way of thinking, right? Which is we will use the power of afforded by GPU technology to be able to process these ever more complex data sets really, really quickly. Uh, and more importantly, we will then provide that power, that capability as a kernel engine that we will uh, supply to machine OEMs or to independent software vendors or even to large scale enterprise end users so that they can consume that kernel and write their proprietary plugins and their proprietary software codes for their own tool paths or for their own physics codes, for example, or even for their own factory automation workflow without having to tell us what they're doing with their machine, without having to give away that IP, without having to give away that know-how and expertise, right? And that's great because I think that affords the best of all the worlds you can stand up your software team now without having to employ a whole bunch of maths experts to do that computational kernel because we can provide it. But equally, you can hold on to your IP because we don't want to know it. We are providing the kernel, the engine, sometimes I call it the glue that holds the ecosystem together. Uh, and, it, and it's an efficient way for OEMs, ISVs, and some of those large end users to actually get to where they need to be for mass production without having to invest signif significant resources in their own software teams. How do you think about the, well, in, in my experience, um, you may have kind of, uh, opinions on, on this as well with you know, organizations that are setting up AM facilities, centers of excellence, whatever you call them, production facilities, and they're going to high-end equipment, whether it's metals or 12-system lasers. When they think about the stand-up of these facilities and the operation, I've mostly seen or observed that kind of the crown jewel is a physical hardware, right? You can show VIPs, you can kind of bring tours through and like that's the that's the crowning achievement and and that's where a lot of the funding goes to for the end user to to put effort into getting that machine in 
um, and less effort shown on understanding the process, certainly at the front end, like you were discussing of, okay, what's it take to design and implement and, and even put a build file together um, into your system to make it efficient and, and make the vision of production a reality. Um, do you think companies are, or organizations or people standing up these facilities are getting smarter about that? Or is there still kind of some, some learnings to, to take away? I think companies are getting smarter about that. Um, and, and I think it's quite interesting that the, you know, the idea of the, the center of excellence that, that you were talking about there, it, it's almost as if um, you know, uh, in, in the past few years, your uh, large organizations have been dipping their toes in the, in the water with respect to this technology. And they say, okay, we'll build up this center of excellence uh, you know, to, to learn the technology, to learn, let, let, let's use metals again, right? Because that's the, the, the area that I'm most familiar with. So let's, let's get the technology in, you know, obviously oh, we have to think about health and safety because we're dealing with metal powders and lasers. So we need to learn all of those processes, which means we build out this facility in a certain kind of way. And that's great. We learn about all of that, right? Then we've got all of that materials knowledge that we have to, um, you know, acquire or reacquire because we're used to milling metal. Now we're actually, you know, fusing metal powder together. We need to understand, you know, the durability, the, uh, the, the, the wearability of those kinds of materials, okay, and, and do all the fatigue testing and, you know, uh, get all the uh, tensile samples and all the coupons and all that kind of stuff and perform all the metallurgical tests that we need to to ensure that the the material is good, right? So there's been a lot of attention in, in that kind of area. And as you say, it's great to bring the execs through this shiny facility, right? Where you've got these, you know, quite expensive machines. We all know that, the, that, that some of these machines are very, very expensive to buy. And you can show that you are this, you're shining beacon of expertise and know-how uh, in, in the workplace. But I think, you know, 30 years on, right? We, there's a lot of companies now are saying, well, you know, that, that, that's all very well, but we've got to take these technologies into production, right? For, for quite a long time now, they've been in prototyping. We've had small production runs in aerospace, for example, which have got fairly long lead times. But of course, we've never seen these technologies or rarely seen these technologies uh, on the metal side get into real volume, okay? We've seen some notional... Uh, you know, a very small runs for high performance sports cars, for example. But the idea that you're making tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of metal components for automotive, for example, hasn't yet materialized. Uh, and as I say, part of that is the throughput of the machine. But the machines, as, as I've said, are getting bigger and faster and better. So, so where are the blockers? Part of the blockers are in the software, right? As I, as I said before, part of the blockers are, you know, um, uh, just general build preparation, the amount of time it takes for uh, your applications engineers to lay out the build, to understand how they're going to orient parts with respect to gas flow and wiper direction. Um, and there is an attendant cost in that. And then, of course, you do all your exper experimentation with your parts, and then your, your design folks come along and change the design on you. So you've got to do it all again. And the software 
process is is quite slow at the moment. It doesn't adapt easily for you to be able to make those changes quickly. And then on top of that, if you're in a factory environment and you're actually trying to produce, as you will know, Mike, and your, some of your software attend, uh, your, uh, uh, attends to this, is it's all very well to print a part or to mill a part, but that part is then going to go through a whole set of operations after the event, right? So post-machining operations, it's got to be clamped, it's got to be uh, machined, it's got to be labelled, it's got to be packaged, it's got to be, you know, uh, anodized, whatever the process might be. And your AM machine need in, in your factory, your AM machines need to fit into exactly the same ecosystem that your CNC machines fit into. So they need to be integrated into MES systems or your ERP system, or even at the front end, your PLA and then your CAD system. And that side of it, I think, has been, has been severely lacking uh, it's starting to get some attention now, but part of the advantage of Dendrite is not only does it have the power of the GPU kernel, uh, which allows you to generate a your, 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 these files very quickly and to place labels very quickly, but also uh, you have the power to record uh, in Python the script, the layout script, if you like, the build preparation script, of the job that you are printing. And because you've got a Python code, you can then interact and integrate that code into things like MES, ERP, QDB, and so on. And I think that is incredibly powerful. And it is a, a mechanism and a tool which further helps um, you know, take uh, these machines into that mass production context because for the first time you're actually able to pull your serial numbers straight from your uh, uh, ERP system, apply the labels according so, to some logic that you've um, um, originated in your uh, manufacturing process. You can codify your AM production rules in Python um, and uh, and then execute them, and you can execute them automatically. You can execute them headlessly. You can double-click the script, and off, off it will go. It will generate the build file. It will accommodate a change. It will apply labels. It will you know, generate a report or whatever you need it to do, um, and it will do that at the speed that you need uh, afforded by the, the, the GPU kernel underneath. For sure. And I imagine kind of sitting in your new role, one of the really exciting things about the software part of additive manufacturing is that this doesn't apply just to a particular type of technology, whether it's metals or polymers, that you get to interact with all levels of the ecosystem, the end users, the machine manufacturers, even to some extent, probably material suppliers. And over the last few months, you've done some pretty cool events, including Dendrite, which was I think last week or the week before. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how kind of the marketing approach and interacting with the industry has kind of shaped some of the direction of the company? Yeah, sure. I think I think again, you know, um, you know, we've we've got quite an interesting approach with respect to to our marketing, right? So. We, we don't like to directly market ourselves. We like to market ourselves through our customer successes, right? So, you know, we like to get 
if we can, other people talking about how they've used our technology or how they're intending to use our technology, the you know, why they're looking at our technology, uh, what are their challenges, uh, and how does our technology address those challenges. So when we organize our events like Dendrite Day, uh, very often we have you know, guest speakers, uh, keynote speakers, who are experts in the field and, uh, and who've had your know, longevity in the field, who have really got something you know, quite important to say about how AM has progressed from your uh, basic 3D printing and prototyping all the way through. As I say, these days there are companies printing millions of components on their, uh, on their own machines, right? Um, and, you know, and, and so when we do these events, and, and Dendrite Day was the, the last one, um, you know, we were fantastically lucky to have Greg Morris uh, as our keynote speaker. A lot of your listeners will remember that, that Greg you know, started off with Morris Technologies uh, and, and really was one of the pioneers in terms of metal printing. Uh, you know, um, that led into um, you know, GE's acquisition of Morris. Uh, and then, you know, we all know how successful GE has been in the aerospace sector with respect to, to metals printing. So Greg gave a keynote, uh, you know, talking about uh, his new venture, Vertex Manufacturing, and what they're doing in the space and, and, and how they, he sees how, you know, the dendrite technology can be applied to that mass production use case. We were very fortunate to have Anthony Graves uh, from HP. Um, who uh, leads uh, their effort uh, uh, with respect to the HP Universal Build Manager, uh, which is a really exciting opportunity uh, where HP are bringing uh, a new uh, build preparation software package to market, which is powered by Dendrite's kernel. And the great thing about the Universal Build Manager is in its name, it, it is uh, designed to connect with every single printer under the sun uh, so that as a as a user, um, an end user of AM products, right? You might have polymer printers, metal printers in your factory. You can now standardize potentially on one build preparation package, so you don't have to train lots of different uh, lots of your techs and operators in lots of different packages. You can standardize on one, and they will integrate with all of the different machine OEMs who want to work with them. So Anthony, you know, gave a great introduction uh, to the to the HP Universal Build Manager, uh, and then the other key piece of news at, at Dendrite Day was uh, Dendrite itself. Um, you're uh, announcing that as well as the kernel, we've got tool pathing APIs now that the OEMs can use to build out their proprietary tool pathing mechanisms on our kernel to get the benefit of the speed of that, uh, and we also announced uh, a whole new set of operations, um, um, a whole new set of voxel-based operations and APIs so that we can act on data uh, and turn that into voxel representations, which in turn can be sliced into pixel representations and create image outputs for uh, sort of the raster-based processes that other printers need. Um, so it was a fantastic event, uh, and um, if uh, people missed it, uh, they can you know, type uh, the, the various search terms in, in, in YouTube and find it, uh, or indeed, I think they can get the link to it from our website as well, and uh, they can hear those keynotes talking about uh, the future of AM.
uh, and mass production. Uh, and they can also see some interesting Python scripting demos from our head of product, Steve Walton, as well. From an end user perspective, as people are thinking through kind of buying their next printer or kind of updating some of their current processes, um, how do you recommend or how do, you, how do they engage with Dendrite so they, they see some of the new capabilities? Are there kind of machine kind of demos or demos of kind of the, the software that you have now to, to show some of these value add approaches? So the, 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 in, in terms of sort, sort of making, evaluating you know, which, which next printer to buy, I think that's a very, very interesting question, right? You know, so there are, um, there's lots of choice out there. You know, we, we, we've talked in this um, uh, interview about, you know, bigger machines, okay? Speeds, speeds and feeds of machines, if you like. Um, in terms of how those... Uh, machine OEMs interact with Dendrite. Uh, again, a quick visit to our web our um, website. Sorry, you'll be able to see a bunch of the companies who are on our Dendrite Developer Council. Um, the Developer Council is a really interesting concept. So, so basically, you know, we're building a core technology that we want OEMs to use. So, frankly, we need our OEMs to tell us what it is they want to see in that core technology, right? So. Uh, twice a year, uh, we get together uh, with all of our developer council members uh, and, uh, you know, it's their chance to feed back to us and tell us, you know, what areas of functionality we should be concentrating on, which ones are important to their customers, uh, the ultimate end users. Um, and as I say, if you, if, you, if you go to that website, you'll see a whole bunch of um, companies on there. Um, you have the likes on the powder bed side, there's the likes of, you know, Renishaw and SLM and Trump and EOS and Additive Industries. Uh, we've got a bunch of the polymer people's on, uh, polymer companies on there as well. Um, there's the software folks that we're talking to, the likes of Altair, Ansys, um, you know, a whole raft of, uh, of companies that, that, that we're working with. So that should give you know, people who are interested in, in, in buying new technology, an indication of the sorts of companies who are actively engaged with us. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's probably the answer. To go take sure. a look at our website. Um, and if that doesn't give you the information that you need, by all means, contact uh, myself. Uh, and I'd be delighted to, to talk to you and, and find a way to get demos into your hands or... Uh, provide examples of, uh, of Python scripts or whatever. Right. And one of the other events that I, I guess the first iteration of this, one, I think it was the first you know, this summer was you, there was a kind of investor day that you invited kind of all sorts of emerging companies in the AM space to um, have a day to, to kind of pitch investors along the lines of kind of, uh, advanced manufacturing and, and AM in particular. And uh, we were talking just before we went live that the next version of that's uh, happening in January, right? Yeah, again, hu hugely exciting. It, it, it's one of the things that I love about, you know, working with Dendrite is, is the way that, uh, you know, that the management thinks about this space and how this space needs to develop and how as a community, you know, we can, 
you know, it, it, it's all very well to, to, to compete with each other, right? But the, there's got to be a greater good. And the greater good is to push, um, you know, the whole agenda for additive manufacturing along so that it just does become another, regarded as just another CNC, right? Another mainstream manufacturing process that can produce parts at scale because ultimately that feeds into our you know, business philosophy. And as part and parcel of that, of course, we're working with the, the folks on our developer council. They're the big companies of today. But of course, who knows what the big, who the big companies of tomorrow are going to be. There's some fantastic ideas out there uh, for, for new businesses in additive manufacturing, for new types of technology, for new software companies who are adding to the piece. Uh, and part of that smart thinking, if you like, is to encourage these new startups uh, to, to come together uh, to, to, with venture capital companies to, to talk about what it is they're trying to achieve. Uh, and you know, Dendrite tries to support that activity to foster those conversations. Um, so the, the next Digital Manufacturing Investors Day is on, actually going to be on the 19th of January. But if you're a startup and you're looking for funding, uh, you know, you can apply right now. Go to our website. You can apply right now to be one of the, if you like, pitch companies. There'll be a whole bunch of investors there listening uh, to the companies that are going to be pitching. Uh, I think the closing date for that is um, something like the 6th of December. So, you know, you've got to get your skates on. There's, not, there's only a few weeks now before the, the close date. But it's a great opportunity to, you know, meet with a bunch of like-minded people, uh, you know, present your, your, your pitch, uh, get feedback, uh, and also get your message across. And, uh, you know, we're proud to sponsor uh, um, um, and, uh, events like that and to host events like that with our other sponsors as well. Fantastic. Well, I definitely uh, encourage anyone that's listening to, to check that out in any future events. So, Stephen, before we go, is there anything else uh, our listeners should keep an eye on for or you know, that you'd be uh, pointing them to in, in addition to the website or any other collaborations that, that we should uh, yeah, highlight I think, for the day? Uh, I think just a, a quick final one would be just to mention that the HP Universal Build Manager again, um, you know, uh, I, I, I might have said this already, but I will say it one more time. If you're interested in what HP are doing, uh, you know, powered by Dendrite, go and have a look on, on, on their website. Uh, you can sign up uh, now, I think, to be a, an early tester, an early, uh, to get early evaluation licenses of the Universal Bowl Manager. I think uh, 2021 is going to be an incredibly exciting year as that technology comes to market. Um, you know, um, I think combined with events like the, the Investor Day um, and always keep looking at our website because, you know, we, we release new functionality, you know, on a fairly regular uh, cadence. So there's always or usually something new to look at with, uh, with Dendrite every month or so. Um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I think 2021 is going to be very, very exciting you know, um, I hear on the news that we're, we're almost there with a the vaccine. So hopefully we'll all be in a position to start meeting up again. Uh, events like this webinar have been fa fantastic for 2020. And I, I thank you uh, once again, Mike, for, for hosting me. But let's face it, we all, we all want to start meeting, each, meeting up with each other again, right? And, 
going to shows and all that kind of stuff. So that would be awesome. Um, yep, um, I wish everyone a, a great, I know it's very early, but I wish, I'm not quite sure when this is going out, but I wish everyone a, a good holiday season. Uh, and 2021 is going to be a, a, a roller coaster, and I'm really looking forward to it. Sure, and hopefully we'll get you back here in Chicago for Amug or Rapid. That would be awesome. I'm looking forward to it, although I'm not missing the Chicago winters. <laughs> so, for sure. Well, it's 30 degrees right now, but it's at least sunny. So. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed.